You're listening to Shenanigans, the podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the next installment of the Shenanigans podcast. We've made it to episode three. Very, very exciting for me. Uh, so thank you for um, for listening and for being involved. Uh, it's It's really awesome to already start seeing some good numbers of people getting involved and listening uh, and we're getting some people following the socials which is really cool uh, I definitely encourage you to keep getting involved uh, please absolutely share it to anyone else that you think is going to like it hell even share it to those people you don't think are going to like it let them listen to it as well um, but you know in all seriousness thank you so much um, the, the the love and support and the nice comments I've received so far from people uh, It's it really helps me keep engaged with it and helps keep me wanting to do this even more than I already do. So, uh, can't wait to keep doing more for all of you. Uh, there's been a social media blitz at the moment. So I've been doing, uh, some, uh, heavy posts constantly just about, uh, what's coming up with the podcast and just asking for suggestions. So, um, we've got Instagram, um, at the, uh, handle at shenanigans podcast, uh, or one word, uh, Twitter, which, I don't use Twitter, but I'm using it for the podcast. So that just shows to you, my, it gives you an idea of my dedication. Uh, so the Twitter handle is at shenanigans underscore AU. Uh, Cause as I mentioned previously, someone else got shenanigans. Um, Facebook is at shenanigans podcast. So again, all one word. And then I've also got the email address. So feel free to send me emails, um, whether it's uh, giving me suggestions or giving me feedback, or you want to tell me a story based on a topic that we're going to be covering throw all that at me at my Gmail. So it's shenaniganspodcast at gmail.com. I have mentioned in uh, previous uh, stuff that you can also send a voice message to me. So if whether or not it's a submission for an episode or you just want to send through your comments, send them through to uh, to my voice message uh, tool through anchor.fm. Uh, so that's who's hosting my podcast. So anchor.fm slash shenanigans slash message. Uh, and it'll allow you to record me a message and I can spice the content into one of my podcast episodes. So uh, really cool stuff. Please use it. Would love to add you into my podcast. Now, we also have uh, an exciting update in respect of how you can listen to the podcast. So uh, you would have known through earlier episodes and all the social media posts, uh, anchor.fm is the host. Um, I do have the landing page, which is uh, about.me slash shenanigans. That'll give you a quick link to my anchor page if you can't remember the uh, website. And it gives you all the links to the different providers. So we've got a whole bunch of different ones, some that I don't even know or use, uh, which is great. means just more people can get access to it. Uh, But our main providers, we've got access to Spotify, Apple Podcasts through iTunes, and we also have Google Podcasts. So Google has finally updated the... uh, the, the podcast on there. Um, if you can't find it, uh, feel free to send me a note in any of the social DM um, processes and I can send you the link to Google Podcasts if you want it. But the link is really clickable, uh, easy to click on the anchor.fm site. So you can grab it from there. Uh, so as I mentioned uh, with the voice message aspect, uh, I'm looking for submissions. Uh, I am so keen for people to send me stuff if it's stuff that you think might be good for a future episode. Even if you don't know the topics coming up, send it to me. Tell me what you want me to consider. I'm more than happy to build episodes around content if um, people send me enough submissions I'd love to I'd love to get you involved this is not just my podcast this is your podcast um, in terms of uh, submissions I'm looking for in the, the shorter term I want to do an episode revolving around those embarrassing things that we do in public uh, whether it's uh, 
a story where you might have um, somebody might have referred to you in the wrong name, and uh, you were too embarrassed to let them know that your name's actually something different, and you've let it slide, and it could be a long period of time afterwards that you're still being referred to by that name, and it's so embarrassing because you're worried somebody else is going to pick up on that and correct them, and it's going to become this big thing. Things like that. I love that sort of stuff. Um, I've got some stories of my own. Um, please send me through your suggestions. I'm going to wait until I've got enough content to kind of put into an episode because I don't want it to just be all about me. Uh, so I'm going to keep uh, sussing out where I can get some more information from people. Um, and just in general, when it comes to con uh, content and submissions, they don't just have to be funny stories. I'm looking for heartfelt stuff as well. Um, you know, whether it's also maybe some advice, maybe people want some advice and I can do a bit of research and find out some good answers for you. Send that stuff through. Now, in terms of what's going to happen for this episode, uh, this is going to be a new format that I'm going to be including periodically. Um, and I'm going to call it the binge list. Uh, so basically, uh, going forward, it's going to be more probably submission based. I'm going to get people to suggest things, but this particular, uh, episode is, uh, going to be me actually picking a show. Um, and I've got a whole thing dedicated to it, um, as you would see from the title, but, um, really it's just, I'm keen to get back into watching some streamable content. So, um, I used to love binging stuff on Netflix and Stan and everything else that I binge on. And, uh, I haven't done a lot of that lately, so... I figured this is a good way to kind of, uh, you know, uh, take two things at the same time, you know, get some content for the podcast, but also to watch some shows that I haven't watched. Uh, it's also kind of an extension or a 2.0 version of an old failed project that I had called uh, Shane Watches TV. So uh, for those that knew that back in the day when I was doing it for The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or whichever one it was, uh, I'm keen to kind of resurface that, but um, I'll, I'll talk about that more in a moment. Uh, now, I'd like you to be able to suggest stuff. So if you know of anything you think that I would be um, really good with binging, uh, you think that you'd like to hear my kind of feedback on it, send me your suggestions, like I said, with all the other methods of getting in touch. Uh, the only thing I will say, uh, nothing free to air if possible, because I personally don't watch a lot of free to air. I find the ads really infuriating and I'm finding just really at the moment, a lot of the content that's on the free to air stations is just not that engaging to me. So I'm finding I'm watching more of the, uh, the cable sort of stuff for those, um, streamable shows. So anything that's on Netflix, anything on Stan, if you're in Australia, um, Disney plus, um, or anything, um, Apple TV, if you've got any of those Apple original shows you want me to consider, um, it doesn't have to be TV shows. It could be a movie. Um, you know, obviously a movie is going to be probably quicker. Uh, send me anything. I'm happy to give it a go. Um, and I can start doing this on a semi, uh, regular basis. Now, the way I'm going to kind of frame these, uh, segments or these, this particular episode and the style of episode that I'm doing, uh, the first segment going next will probably be, uh, a little bit more spoiler light. So I want to give more of a summary of the show that I'm watching, uh, give you a bit more info, maybe some tips and things that you didn't know about the show, uh, things that I find out online. Uh, and then I will spend the final two segments or so, uh, actually giving spoiler content and my views on the show. Cause, uh, I want to give people a chance to listen to what the show is about, but I also don't want them to be suddenly given spoilers that they can't get away from. So, um, first two segments are going to be spoiler free. So keep listening, um, listen out for the next segment, um, segment two in this particular episode, uh, cause you'll get a bit of an explanation as to why I picked the show that I picked and also what it's all about, generally speaking. Uh, so yeah, on to the next segment.
Alrighty, we are back. So, the show that I've chosen to watch as part of the first Binge List episode is called Normal People. Uh, it's a show that's on stand at the moment. Uh, it's just aired in the last uh, week or two, or I think actually three weeks now. Uh, it's an Irish show, um, and I'll talk more about the show in particular. Uh, but it's on stand. If you're based in the US, it's on Hulu. And if you're based in the UK or anywhere that gets the UK channels, um, BBC3. Uh, now, the way I got onto this show was actually through a podcast that I listened to. So I listened to um, the Salation podcast, which is hosted by M. Rossiano, uh, one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, she's hilarious. She's charming. She's funny. Uh, just beautiful soul, that woman. Uh, she's got her own podcast. She features her best friend, Michael Lucas, in each episode. And her husband, Scotty, also gets involved and gives advice and stuff like that. So it's a great podcast. Uh, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, I cannot suggest that anymore. Please jump onto the Emsolation podcast as well. Um, you can get it on all the normal uh, podcast uh, apps and sites. And uh, they decided to talk about the show. So they bring up all the different things they're doing during their isolation at the moment. And one of the things was that they both binged normal people. And at first I was just like, oh, it's just another show. I don't, I'm, I've seen it on Stan as the ads. I'm not going to really worry about it. And it wasn't until I started hearing them talking about the show and their reactions to certain parts without the spoilers, I was just like, okay, I need to watch this show. Um, and so the way that they kind of described it, uh, I think it, it was just next level. Like they just described it in such a funny way. So I'll kind of give you a bit of a synopsis as well. Uh, it probably won't be as funny as their synopsis. So you might want to listen to her podcast and kind of hear how they describe it as well. Um, but I'll do my best. Now, the, the show itself, Normal People, is actually based on a book by an Irish author named Sally Rooney. So, the book itself is set in Ireland. All the characters are Irish um, for the most part that I'm aware of. Um, and they've adapted this into a TV series. So, um, it's a long list of things that get adapted, but this one's actually really good. Now, I don't know what the book kind of goes through. I don't know if it's a full adaptation or if it's been, you know creative licensed through but judging by the fact that Sally Rooney is treated as an executive producer on the show I dare say they've kept it pretty um accurate to the to the content in the book so I don't imagine they've deviated too much which is great because I hate when they deviate so much that it should just be a different show now this show um and I'm guessing the book is best described as a dramatic romance or a drama romance so it's full of sweet moments but it's also heartbreaking in a lot of moments and it's basically a show that I shed a lot of tears. Um, I'm not a big cryo when it comes to TV and movies. Uh, it takes a lot for me to really react. This show had me bawling at least three or four different times across the run of the 12 episodes. So it's a one season setup at the moment. And I think it's been aimed at just being a one season uh, show, but I'll talk about that more later. Uh, but it's 12 episodes and they're about 30 to uh, 35 to 40 minutes each. So it's not a massive time investment. I mean, it's currently uh, Sunday morning after midnight now. Um, and I spent most of Saturday more late morning and early afternoon finishing the, uh, the show. So it took me about five, six hours to do in full, um, or whatever it took me. So really good show. Couldn't, uh, couldn't suggest it, uh, any stronger. I think I'm going to be able to explain more and more about it, but absolutely loved it. So the show's premise, uh, and this is spoiler free, so you can continue to listen to this particular segment, um, the, the show, though, however, um, it features two main lead characters. There's a cast of characters otherwise, but um, Marianne uh, is played by Daisy Edgar-Jones, um, and she's the, the main female lead. And the main male lead named Connell is played by a guy named Paul Mescal, or Mescal. Uh, and 
It just basically chronicles their lives from the end of their high school years. So they're at the kind of end of secondary school. So about 17, 18. Uh, and it goes through to their mid twenties. Um, and I'm guessing that because just because there's some time jumps and stuff. Um, but complete side note, anyone that has watched this, um, and I'm hoping that people have watched the, who have watched it are still listening to this episode. Uh, how much does Mary Ann to you who look like Anne Hathaway, uh, I don't know about you, but I was watching it. And even in the first couple of episodes where she had her schoolgirl sort of hairstyle, I kind of was looking at her eyes because she's got a, that same kind of doughy eye look or the doe eye look. And she's got like that kind of wistful sort of look about her. I thought it initially and I was like, oh, but you know, maybe not. I, I can't see it completely. And then it wasn't until she got into the next act, which I'll talk about, where she's got a different hairstyle. So they've given her like a, a definitive sort of fringe or bangs, if you're listening um, in Northern America. Um, they give her bangs in a later few episodes. And um, yeah, they'll look at all together, just looks so Anne Hathaway, her eyes, the hair, everything. So tell me what you think, if you think she looks like, um, looks like Miss Hathaway, because uh, yeah, she's, uh, I reckon she's a dead ringer for her. She's basically the Irish version. So, um, so without the heavy spoilers, the show itself, I personally break it up into three acts. Um, it's not the show that does it. It's kind of the way I view the show. Um, and I've just kind of gone back to Wikipedia and reminded myself of the episodes. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like act one is really the character development. It's setting the scene. It's getting the characters acquainted. Um, and it really begins the story of their love and their connections or whatever in high school. So that's act one for me. Um, and I'll talk about acts two and three later. But um, Marianne and Connell, they come from different worlds. So it's kind of like your uh, Romeo and Juliet-esque mindset, a little bit like that. Uh, Marianne's well off or her family's well off. Um, she lives in a really nice house. Her mum's a solicitor, so she makes pretty, uh, pretty coin. Um, and her brother lives in the house as well. And, uh, she's not popular at school though. So she's got the money, but she's not popular. Um, and in anything, her personality at school initially, and this is not a spoiler, but initially in the first episode, her personality at school is very caustic, very off-putting. Uh, you know, she's a bit bitey with people. She, she's got an attitude. Um, you know, she's, yeah, not exactly someone that everyone loves. Um, whereas Connell, uh, the male lead, he's not well off at all. Um, uh, his mum actually hip happens to be the housekeeper for, uh, Marianne's mum. Uh, so she cleans the house and stuff X amount of times a week. Uh, however, the flip side of that is he is the most, one of the most popular people in school. Um, he plays football, you know, the girls all love him. Um, the guys all love being around him, like all that kind of stuff. And the two leads interact because, uh, well, they, they kind of know each other from school, but they're not friends or anything. But uh, Connell goes and picks his mum up from the house that he she works at because she doesn't have a license by the look of it or she doesn't drive a car. Uh, so he goes after school or whatever. He goes and picks her up and then they go home. And so it's obvious that the two characters know each other, um, like from school, obviously, but they also obviously, it sets the tone that they do interact really basically, but not a lot. Uh, and so she kind of is a bit surprised when he wants to say hi to her and stuff like that. Um, and so that's all happening in the first episode as well. So like I said, I'm not spoiling anything too grand in this case. Um, and then early on, yeah, they start to talk more and they develop some sort of bond and I'm not going to go into a full summary of the bond in this act. Um, I think that's more for later on. Um, and I definitely would like people to watch that and kind of see how it progresses, but the bond that they get, or they develop, it's, it's kept in secret. So, 
Um, it's more so for his benefit, because uh, he's popular and he doesn't know what people will think. Um, and he's embarrassed. He gets very quick to embarrassment and shyness and that kind of stuff. So, he wants to keep it a secret. Um, although, from memory when I watched it, I don't recall it being a heavy topic. It was just kind of like a... She... He said we couldn't... Nobody could know about it. And she'd say something like, no one would ever know or something like that. So, that's kind of like the last that they talked about it. But I guess it's implied that it's for a long time, he's pretty much guarding the secret and stuff. But anyway. Um, and that was my first frustration point for the show. But when I say frustration, I don't mean frustration that I didn't want to watch the show. Just more, it was something from the show that really engaged that emotion in me. Um I could totally see this being a dynamic in real life. I could see people doing this, um, feeling the need to uh, keep relationships or affairs secret and stuff like that. But I just felt if I put myself in her shoes, I would hate knowing that the guy that I'm trying to be with doesn't want people to know about it. But also from his perspective, I could feel, you know, if you're worried that the dynamic is going to get scrutinized and critiqued, I could imagine why you might want to do that. So, I could see both sides, but I felt so frustrated in that because I was just like, no, I want you to be a celebrated couple. Anyway, so that's that was my first problem with the, with the, um, the story concept. But again, not in a way that I didn't like it. It was just more of a, I think the intended reaction was, was um, achieved. Um, now, before I watched it and I was listening to M and Michael on the Isolation, uh, Isolation podcast talking about it, they were describing it like a best friend stabbing you and twisting the knife in you while you're bleeding out slowly. And you know what? Very apt description. Um, and you'll hear more about it in Acts 2 and 3 if you haven't watched the show and you want to keep listening. Um, it was also noted by them by having a lot of nudity and sex scenes and stuff. And I was going into it with that mindset thinking, okay, I'm going to be prepared for this like Game of Thrones or something like that. Um, but I was surprised when I looked at the, um, the listing on stand, um, yeah, on stand before I went to watch it, that it only had an M rating. And I know that we've come a far way away when it comes to censorship and ratings and stuff. But, um, to be honest, I wouldn't imagine an M rating being something that has a lot of sex and nudity in it. So I was like, okay, maybe it's not as bad and maybe it's more toned down and stuff. And to be honest, I don't think there was that much, um, by way of sex and nudity and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, the sex element was um, part of the story because you're talking about, you know, a relationship of two people or, con you know, uh, two people developing some kind of a bond. There's sex involved, obviously. Um, and the nudity, I think, was done very tastefully. I don't think it was very... Um, it wasn't trying to prove a point by having nudity in there. I feel like Game of Thrones, as much as I love that show, it was definitely... And, I mean, being a show on HBO, Game of Thrones... I feel like the sex and the nudity gets thrown in there as a as a titillation point versus a story plot. Uh, whereas this one, anytime it happened, it was really true to the story. And as Em and Michael said in their podcast, I found it refreshing that they would... There was a couple of scenes where if there was nudity, it was tasteful, but it was also true to what the real life scenario would be because I'm sure many people watch TV shows or movies, even if there is nudity in it, but the minute the couples, you know in their room or anything like that. And they've finished a, you know, a lovemaking session or something like that. And they're all covered up. Like, you know, you've got to be covered up. And obviously for the magic of TV with censorship, you would have that happening. But in this show, they didn't do that. So they kept them, you know, in the state that they were in after a session or, you know, if they were just like, you know, laying together, it was very true to what you would imagine real life to be like. So anyway, um, so I thought it was very tastefully done. And they did make a comment of saying that they felt like a woman must have been involved with the direction of how to do these scenes because it felt very uh, 
very fair to everybody involved rather than it just being a uh a gratification thing but anyway so without any other spoilers as well while we're talking about first act um it sees them ending their school years and uh they both separately have plans of getting into a prestigious college so trinity college in dublin which as i think i figured out it's a real college so i think sally the uh, writer actually came from there um, so they've both got plans of applying and getting into Trinity College. So it goes through the exam process and how they're going through their testing and stuff like that. So there's a lot more story plots and stuff, but I will go through a couple of spoilers before, um, in the next segment to wrap up, um, act one. So yeah, if you're not watching the show, if you haven't watched the show yet and you don't want spoilers, this is the segment to stop. Do not continue until you've listened to or watched more of the show or watch most of, if not all the show. Um, cause I will be going into act the finishing act one and talk about two and then the other one will be act three. Um, so please stop here. If you get spoiled in the next thing that is at your own risk, but otherwise on to the next segment. All right. We are on to segment three, talking about the last parts of act one, a couple of spoilers. So you have been warned. If you don't want spoilers or you haven't watched the show, but you're intending to stop now, uh, you have been warned. This will be the last warning. So I found act one's end to be really frustrating and sad. I guess it was just the fact that Connell was a coward and he asked Rachel instead of Marianne to the Debs. Um, I'm assuming we all kind of guessed something like that was going to happen. But I think just seeing it actually happen was disappointing. Um, I actually felt myself in Marianne's shoes just wanting to cry for her. And I actually did a little bit. Um... But look, I guess it would have been cliche, I guess, if he had have, in the heat of the moment, suddenly gone running to her house with a boombox or throwing rocks at her window and making her come out to to come to the Debs with her. Um, or for Americans, kind of, I guess, the prom. I guess that's kind of the similar thing. Or in Australia, the formal. Um, but yeah, so um, I'm glad that they didn't go cliche with it and make him save the day and whisk her out to declare his love because obviously the show's got to keep going um so yeah i also felt really hurt for connell and sad for connell when he realized he basically screwed up really badly and balls his eyes out in the street after he leaves a voicemail i really felt for him even though he really stuffed up um i just wanted to give him a hug but uh yeah so my first set of tears were shed for that um for those scenes that was a really hard episode um, but yeah, so we go into act two and we see that Connell has now moved into Trinity, uh, college in Dublin. Um, and he's learning what it means to be at college. So he's found himself a share room, which I don't know how they do it, but he's found himself to sh- a shared room, um, in Dublin near the college. Um, he's got himself, um, you know, he's trying to figure out how it all works. He's, you know, interacting in classes. doesn't seem to be fitting in though. Like he's not really engaging in his English classes. Um, so it doesn't really seem very rosy for him, but eventually we lead onto the story that Mary Ann's at the same college. So we find that she got in as well and, uh, she's actually popular. Uh, and I thought that was a really cool twist of, uh, twist of fate between the two of them. He's gone from being the popular sporty guy to coming to a college where he's learning English and no one really gives him any time of day. She's become queen of these popular people and she's got this click and she's got a boyfriend now, which I didn't love, uh, but she's got a boyfriend. She's got friends, you know, she's throwing parties, she's smoking, like all these things. So the boyfriend, it's funny because, because he's your first interaction after Connell and he's got a bit of a way of talking. You think he's going to be a right dickhead, 
but <laughs> I'm sure anyone who's listened and is listening to this now, sorry, anyone who's watched the show and is listening to this now, you're probably going to agree with me that we almost feel like Gareth would be the perfect boyfriend when you see comparisons later. But um, they keep getting entangled, Marianne and Connell. And I, I find it so frustrating because if this was me in real life comparing the story to me, there's no way I would be entangling myself with an ex this constant way. Even if they were someone I really had strong feelings for and I felt like I'd love them, rah, 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 all that sort of stuff. I don't know if I'd want to keep them entangled in my life in the way that they keep doing it. But again, it's supposed to be messy. It's supposed to make you feel, I'm guessing. It's supposed to make you go, oh, stop doing this. Um, and they do get some closure. They get to talk about their past issues and he apologizes and stuff like that, um, which, you know, I think was a really nice moment. I think it was good to see them kind of come full circle from what they were before. Um, and then she finally dumps Gareth, which is amazing. I was like, yay. And, um, she ends up with Connell. So that was kind of cool. And I was rooting for them. Obviously I was really gunning for them to end up a couple again. And, um, I start to get really hopeful at this point that they're going to stay together for the run of the show. And at this stage, I didn't know any more about how it progresses. So I was hoping that it would kind of be them staying together in college, finishing college, and it would advance to them being either married or engaged or living together or something like that. And it would kind of chronicle them in their thirties. Well, I was wrong. Um, and who knows what will happen later, but I was wrong. So what broke me in this act, um, and I've dubbed this the early college years, um, my inner, it's his inability to show her affection that she's craving. Um, cause you see her family dynamic really being bad and she suffers when she goes back to her family for the meal, the brother doing what he does. Um, and then you see their relationship dissolving again cause he can't tell her that he lost his job and he wants to live with her. Um, and I find that so hard because it seems like such a thing that happens in real life. I mean, guys just, just can't emote and I mean not to say that guys are the only people that can't emote but um the idea that most men don't speak up and they don't know how to talk about their feelings and they're not sure about how to say something that could be construed as negative and he doesn't want to feel embarrassed and you know emasculated by telling her he can't work or he hasn't got a job and he needs to live with her so I felt that really sad frustrating and uh devastating all at the same time so that broke me a little bit in this um part of the season um and then enter enters Jamie in the following episodes, as I call him Lord Douchebag. Um, I thought his character actually was supposed to be gay when I first saw him in the show, because not to be stereotypical or anything, but he his look, like he's got a, a look about him that um, presents as, um, a, I guess, a gay character. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but also just in sense of... Um, the way he talks to the fellow female friends and stuff like that. Like it just felt to me like a very quintessential gay friend relationship with the girls. It wasn't until the scene where they're in a cafe, I think, and he's looking up at her constantly and staring at her while she's working. And I was like, Oh, I don't think he's gay. I think he likes her. Um, so that kind of changed things for me with his character. So I thought he was just supposed to be like the bitchy stereotype gay character. Um, so I'm kind of glad it wasn't like that. Cause I think that'd be a bit of a cop out. Um, but then I started to become convinced that he's been brought on as a um, a plot device to be, you know, a thorn in Connell's side. You know, he's the competition and stuff like that. So I was correct. Um, now, the next part of their kind of dynamic, Jamie and um, Marianne, is he's into BDSM. And whilst that's valid for consenting adults, it makes me feel like Marianne's not into it at all. I mean, she talks about being into it, but it obviously shows in her face and stuff that she's not, um, and that she's only doing it for him. Cause she did bring up a few things with Connell 
I'll do it if you want me to. I'd like doing things for you. So she seems to be trying to please the other person because of her fear of rejection or being treated a certain way. And so by her giving in to Jamie and giving him what he wants, she's actually being abused and she doesn't like that. So that's where I find it really sad. Not so much that they're doing what they're doing in the bedroom because it is what, you know, consenting adults do sometimes. But um, yeah, so I felt that really sad. And it's, I think in connection to her cycle of abuse at home from knowing, finding out that her dad abused the mum before he died. And you don't actually, I think, know how he dies. But, um, and then you start to see it in the brother with her. Like, it's kind of like the cycle of abuse. So, I think all of that intertwined for me and made me feel really sad for Marianne that she's in this situation now. Um, but then the yo-yoing of the relationship with her and Connell keeps happening. And they try to be friends again when she sees him in Sligo at the, at the convenience store. And it's like, oh, okay, they're going to be friends again. And I got frustrated again. Because um, I was just like, just do it. Get together again. Um, and then it kind of, uh, for me, act three kind of starts to, uh, sorry, act two, I should say, starts to decline for me or starts to get to the end of the act when they get accepted into that scholarship program. And it's all exciting. And they're at the, 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 the steps of the, the building, you know, announcing it. And he gets into this drunken celebration and he calls her after he gets beaten up by someone because um, he only remembers her number. And I thought that was really sweet because I couldn't remember anybody I've dated's number. But um, yeah, so he remembers her number, which is really cute. And it's here, really frustratingly so, that we find out that the whole breakup that they had before Jamie and her got together was a misunderstanding. It was purely because he said to her, so I guess you'll want to see other people then. And she took that to him saying, I want to see other people. So she assumed he was breaking up with her when really he actually wanted to keep connected to her. So, but I, I, I've got to say, I do hate when the seeing other people trope is used in breakups for TVs and movies and stuff like that. Like, I don't, I can tell you for a fact, any breakup I've had, and I've had a few, not once has anybody ever said, oh, I feel like we should see other people or anything like that. Like, it's just not, I don't know about anybody else listening, but... I don't think that's a done thing normally in, at least in Australia anyway. I don't think people say that kind of thing, but who knows? Maybe they do. Um, so I feel like that that kind of trope of, I think we should see other people or I want to see other people or whatever. I just don't know if that happens. Anyway, so um, yeah, so I felt really pissed off that that's all it was because they teased that the relationship ends, but they kind of did one of those six weeks earlier things. So you don't actually know the reason as to why there's a breakup. Um, it's implied that there's, you know, a communication breakdown, but, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it was very sad because like even you see that he starts to give in and show her affection at the pool party and everything. And you think, oh, there's actually going to be some improvement between them. They're going to actually, uh, work out their differences and he's going to actually show her that she's worthy of love and everything. And then that whole misunderstanding happens in a quick fire sequence. And it's just like. I think in this show, you've got to assume that if you think it's going to be kittens, rainbows and sunshine and lollipops, give it five minutes and you'll get punched in the face. So <laughs> that's kind of how I feel with this show. But anyway, so that's act two um, kind of ends on a, on a kind of a low note because of the fact that you find it how it kind of ended. Um, and so I kind of end act two there. So I'm going to go into the next segment. It's going to involve a lot of major spoilers. So for whatever reason, you've tempted fate and you're listening to this segment don't listen on if you don't want the full-on spoilers and the way that the show ends. So, um, basically, on to next segment. And here we are, final segment, lots of spoilers. You've been warned again, one last time. 
I was feeling generous. Um, so this act for me, uh, and some people might um, change the starts and ends of each act that they're kind of setting up in their mind differently. But for me, the act is when uh, it starts for act three, the kind of tail end of the season when Connell and Niall are traveling. Um, so they're in Italy at this point and it becomes clear that they're visiting Marianne at her family summer home. I mean, I should be so lucky to have an Italian summer home. Um, and I normally find shows with time gaps like this where they don't give you a lot of context at first to be a bit painful. I'd say there's probably only like two or three shows that I've not minded that, but um, like Quantico and um, How to Get Away with Murder. I do like it in those shows because it creates that suspense. But I feel like in this show, it's not aimed to be suspenseful. It's more just to kind of skip ahead a lot of filler. Um, so I do like it in this case. Um, it just... Sometimes I wish there was a little bit more context between jumps. But anyway, um, now at the house, you've got Marianne, you've got Jamie, her boyfriend at the time still, um, you know, Lord Douchebag. And you've got um, Peggy. So Peggy being her friend from uh, college, uh, Joanna wasn't there, um, but Peggy was. And Niall and uh, Connell come along. And I find it interesting that suddenly Connell and Niall are traveling together and they're all besties because previously, I think there was a reference to them being asking if he was his best friend. He goes, oh, no, nah, not, not really. Um, but I think it was kind of nice to see them together. And I think Niall's kind of cute and he's really sweet in the show. Like his character is really fun, actually. Not that he's in it all the time, but... Uh, and echoing Peggy's statement. So there's a scene later on where something kind of awkward happens and I, you'll know what I mean if you've watched it. Um... And Peggy echoes, a, uh, I echo a sentiment that Peggy makes with Marianne as to why she invited the boys over if Jamie was going to be there. Like, what was she intending to have her ex there in a house with Jamie when Jamie has proven that or made it clear to Marianne at some point that he's intimidated by uh, Connell. He doesn't like Connell. And he also doesn't like the fact that she's still friends with him. Like, that's kind of all implied and inferred. So it does make me wonder why she feels the need to keep bringing him back like this yo-yo. Um, it's almost like she's toying with him, but she's not. Like, it's more of a security blanket for her, but it feels like she's toying with him. Um, now, the scene that happens around this point is probably one of the most awkward, cringy scenes of the whole show, only because of how real it feels. Um, not so much that they've done anything wrong, but... Um, it's, it's an outdoor dinner scene and they're all sitting down at the table. And at this point, Jamie's already started making some remarks that have been a bit, mm, uh, a bit cringe or a bit, uh, you know, assholey. But um, at this point, it's clear Connell doesn't like him. It's clear the other way around as well. And they start to have their dinner outside and they're all like, you know, pouring wine and stuff. And Jamie starts to become a right twat. Like, just honestly, he... Well, sorry, right twat. <laughs> and he... He's just being really argumentative. He's, you know, belittling the guys for traveling where they're wanting to travel. He's, you know, even uh, calling out Marianne on things and he's treating her really badly. And I just wanted somebody to punch him out or slap him. But um, I've got to say, I have been in the shoes of multiple people at that dinner table. I have been in the shoes of someone who's at a dinner thing or a function or something like that. And there's a couple who's involved in the, the session having some kind of a disagreement or an argument, whether it's a really silent argument and you can tell something's going on and it's really awkward or where they're full on having a, a disagreement. I've been in both scenarios. I've also been in the scenario where I've been in the, the, the group of people, the person with somebody else having a conflict with a group of people around and it is not rosy. So um, 
I found this whole super awkward scene to be so true to life that that's why I was feeling so cringe about it because I was thinking to myself, oh, this is bringing back some past memories. So I think that's what she was trying to channel the writer. Um, I think she was trying to make you feel like you're in that scene and because most people have been there before, at least some way or another, Um, because it's always those silent fights you'll have with your partner when you're in public. And uh, thank God I haven't had one of those for a long time, but it's not fun. Um, So they filmed that really well um, because it did make me cringe a lot. But yeah, it was, um, I found it fascinating that in the scene after that, where Jamie decided to be a complete dick and drop the wine glass to prove a point, that it actually wasn't Connell that launched at him to tell him to, you know, or to knock him out, that it was actually Marianne who lunged at him and it took Connell to grab her and move her away to stop it from happening. I thought that was very interesting because it really shows that she has her moments of being, I don't want to say the word unhinged, but she has her moments of having more spontaneous things happening. Whereas he's mostly controlled and he's mostly a lover, not a fighter. And he's probably had an ample opportunity to punch this guy out and he didn't take it. So I thought that was really nice. And then when he grabs her and takes her to the pool and they're walking around the pool and he's trying to calm her down, I was just like, oh, swoon. But um, it was really sweet. Um, But then it gets frustrating again because there's a time jump again or a kind of a location jump after this whole thing kind of is sweet and it's um it's clear that she's now moved to sweden um so she's in an erasmus uh exchange program uh she's not dating jamie anymore she obviously broke up with him um at the italy thing i'm guessing um and she which is implied when they're all on the train without him uh traveling to uh, i think they're going where were they going venice or somewhere like that um but yeah, so in Sweden now, she starts with the new boyfriend named Lucas. And I'll admit, at this point, I'm just getting sick of her being in new relationships constantly. I just wanted to be with Connell. Um, and it irked me a bit, but I also understand the story plot of him being really sweet and her telling him not to. I kind of took that as a, she wants to avoid a guy like Connell because she feels like guys like Connell have the effect that Connell has on her. And so I feel like she thinks... If they're not sweet to me, I don't have to get sucked in as much like I did with Connell. I think it's also stemming from her abuse that she cops from her family. She doesn't feel worthy. She feels pretty worthless. She feels like she deserves what she gets. And so by having a boyfriend or someone like that talk to her in the way that she gets Lucas to talk to her probably validates the feelings that she's feeling about herself. So it's a lot of self-loathing. It's a lot of... uh, uh, she's turning herself into her own personal victim in that way. And she wants to be treated like dirt. And I think that was, I was really sad for her in that, those sort of moments when he's telling her she's worthless and she can't have a shower until he's done with her and stuff like that. I was just like, Oh, I know that he's doing it for her. Like he, I don't know if that was necessarily something he wanted to do initially, but he was doing it for her. Um, cause it shows at first that not uncomfortable, but he, it shows that he really had to like retrain himself to be that way. So I felt for it for that situation not so much for him because I could care less about his character I knew he was only supposed to be there for a period of time um and I just felt myself wanting to get her help for her problems like she's clearly not okay she's clearly dealing with a lot of trauma and that scene where he takes photos of her and he's um tying her hands up and he's making her take her top off and stuff and again I know he was doing what he thought was right because of the way she wanted to be treated but 
I just felt really horrible for her. She did that wistful eye thing of looking at him and all the emotion was in her eyes, like very Anne Hathaway of her, like I mentioned. Um, so I felt that was really hard. Um, and then we move on to the storylines of, and this is towards the end, like the very end, kind of last few episodes, and it's a massive spoiler, but um, when his friend kills himself, um, when Connell's friend kills himself, and he's dealing with the aftershock of, my friend didn't talk to me, he didn't confide in me, I wasn't there for him, I abandoned everybody to go to um, Dublin instead of Sligo. Like, all those sort of feelings that come out from a suicide or somebody's death, untimely death, I haven't had to deal with it, but at the same time, it's what I imagine it would be like when someone wants to blame themselves for somebody else's actions. And that's why I thought the scenes with the counsellor were really well handled. Um, I think they did that really well to kind of show what it can be like to be on the brink because somebody's killed themselves around you. But to have the support conversation help dispel those feelings of it's your fault it's not your fault you didn't cause it you couldn't do everything you couldn't save somebody like I felt like that was a really nice sentiment that they threw in there because hopefully people who've gone through that like that might be a trigger warning for people um and hopefully it's not something that people are dealing with but um yeah I think I think that was really well handled um, and yeah, my heart broke for him really. And him breaking down in front of that council was so powerful for me. Um, I like seeing a guy have emotion in that way. I mean, I don't want to make guys cry, but like if there's a moment where they're genuinely needing the emotion, I like seeing that. I, 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 I love a guy who can cry and be open with his emotions. So it made me really love the character more. Um, so he did such a great job with the acting there. Like he's a brilliant actor. I want to see more of his stuff. Um, and then there's a large amount of toing and froing with Marianne and Connell again. Surprise, surprise, this yo-yo keeps going because she's come back from Sweden and it's implied that she's come back purely for the funeral and everyone's kind of wondering why because she wasn't friends with the guy. Well, they must be wondering why, but, um, it seems obvious that she's done it for Connell. She knows that he's losing it and so she's come back for it, um, and she consoles him. Sorry, she consoles him over the suicide. Um, and then Helen breaks up with Connell for not being as infested. By Felicia, could not stand her. I haven't given her a lot of airtime because I just couldn't stand the character. Um, and then the two lids are dealing with their drama again and again. I thought it was very sweet when they're doing the Skype conversations while she was in Sweden. I thought that was beautiful, where she was getting him to just go to sleep because he was feeling so sad and anxious and everything, and she's watching him on Skype. I thought that was really beautiful. Um, I think that was such a touching scene. Um, but anyway, I I like that we see them starting to reforge their bonds and stuff like that as well. Um, but then I start to question whether they should be together or not. Like, I actually get to the points, especially when they're both in Sligo and it's the hot summer by the look of it. And they're talking about the, the icy poles or the ice creams and stuff. And they're talking about themselves. And I'm just like, are these two people damaging each other too much like they're not damaged I, I wouldn't call them individually damaged I mean they have their own shit to deal with but it makes me wonder if the characters really should be together because obviously the track record they've had they're kind of destructive when they're together <laughs> in some way or another but I still want them together um and then they had the the sex scene in the bedroom in his childhood bedroom which um looked so uncomfortable in terms of the size of the bed, but the sex scene, he's, you know, they're, they're, he's coming out of, you know, a bit more of depression and he's feeling excited for the first time again. And I don't know where she asks him to hit her. I just, 
I, I, I half laughed for a second because it was so out of place for me to hear that. But also, I felt so cringe for him because he's so awkwardly recoiling from the statement and not knowing what to do. And he's obviously stopped the, the physical aspect of what was happening right there. And then while he's, you know, on top of her and he's like, um, no, no, I, I, I wouldn't like that. Like it was just, he felt so innocent in that moment because he, he doesn't like knowing that in the past she's been hit and whatever further the, the lovemaking that she does with her ex partners and stuff. And so her asking him, I think he felt disgusted in it. Like he was like, I'm not going to be that person to you. I'm not going to hit you. So I thought that was really, it was sad, awkward, cringe, all of it at once, but I really felt for him. I thought, Oh no. So swoon. Um, and then in the final two episodes, we start to see that family dynamic at her house escalate even further. Um, Al, um, Alan accidentally breaks her nose. I want to believe that he didn't intend to inflict actual violence on her. Like, he obviously threw the bottle at her, but, like, in her direction. I don't think he intended to hit her with her, but who knows. But you'd want to hope that he didn't mean to break her nose. It was more of an accident at the door, which it looked like. Um, but still doesn't justify anything that he does, because whether it's physical abuse or verbal or anything like that, it's all just as bad as each other. Um, but Connell's reaction to it all, it made me cry, because... Um, surprise, surprise, I cried again. Um, because he rushes to her aid. Like he wants to save her. He wants to help her. Um, cause she called him in a moment of desperation. They had just had issues recently and with the whole, you know, failed sex attempt. And suddenly she's calling him and asking him to come and get her, like to come and help her. Like she must've been so, uh, uh, what's the term? She must've been so helpless in that moment that the only person she could call is the guy that she just had some kind of a weird situation with. Um, and seeing Connell's reaction and going up against Alan, again, it proves that, again, he can be gentle and he can be forceful, but not in a way that's punching, punching, punching. Like, he just holds him against the wall and tells him, you touch her, I'll kill you, basically. But he, yeah, he handled it with such grace in a way because he didn't actually hurt the guy. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a very interesting um, way that his character kind of has developed. Um and then the whole frustrating thing of the last couple of episodes, or the last episode or so, where he gets accepted into the MFA program in New York. And then just as things are good between the lovers, you know, there's something that comes in between. I want to think that the writer of the book and the writers of the show are very cruel. Um, we're just left at a hopeful end of a rekindling and stuff. But I was kind of, I feel like the ending was a bit anticlimactic because... I kind of hoped that there'd be like a somewhat closure scene. It left it open, which is good, because at least then it means that there's still room for a season two potentially. But just having them kind of end on a, all right, well, we're going to be in separate places. Let's just see how it goes. It's only a year. We'll be okay. But will you? Like, how do we know? Um, are you going to end up with the next guy that you see at uni or something like that? Like, what's going to happen? Uh, well, same for him. I mean, he might end up with somebody as well. It's not just to say that she's going to be promiscuous and end up with someone. But yeah, so I didn't like that. I, I wanted them to stay together. But anyway, so I hope that with the popularity it's getting that a second season is going to come if they could write it well. Um, I'm, I'm going to assume that they could probably add a lot more content and make it go further in the years without the book to kind of help it. Um, so my thoughts finally, are, I guess it was just a roller coaster of emotions. It was so much angst, so much cringe, so much sweet moments, so much, you know, anger. 
they uh, put you on a journey. They really do. But I'm glad I watched it. Um, and it makes you appreciate, at least me, it made me appreciate, um, because obviously they've got such a dysfunctional thing going on both in their relationship plus she's got the dysfunctional family thing. It makes me really think about the perspective of appreciate what you've got when it's good. Like if you've got a good partner, if you've got a good family and stuff, appreciate them. Um, and that's, I think this show has that effect for me as well. Um, so no, it was nice to see that dynamic, but, um, well, nice to see that the dynamic had that effect on me. So I would love to hear your comments on the show. Um, if you've watched it all the way through, tell me what you're thinking through the socials, email me, tell me what you thought, what hit you the most? What did you hate about it? What would you like to see in a season two if it happens and how would you progress the seasons? Um, and on that note, thank you for listening. Keep updated through the socials for the next episode. But otherwise, this is Shane signing off. Thank you for listening to The Shenanigans Podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. For more information or to get in touch, please use any of the social media handles attached to this podcast. This is Shane signing out.